Thank you for calling the Earth Hotel. Currently, we are showing the story of a man named Milton, a man who speaks into a microphone. This microphone sat on a table with another quite like it, between two beings, one of which was the Milton we are describing. The other was a being known as Jackie, who speaks into a microphone currently, perhaps the same, perhaps not, selected out of a collection of four in a dirty gear bag. This Jackie speaks to you through the Earth Hotel, from within it, and throughout it. We are on speaker drone, and the time is now to hear the story of Milton. This Milton has spent a period of 17 years winding his way along the path of a mystical tradition, a cultural force known as rock and roll music. He participated in strange rituals with his compatriots all the while, cultivating a prowess of contact and a wild ear. Here you are given the choice to be presented with this man and his sounds, in different forms, with different formations and friends along the journey. The selections are long, the conversation emphatically dense. Take your God-given liberties with the timestamps in the description of this podcast, and the fast-forward scrubbing button, as always. You control your time, but we go forward regardless. Going on behind me and ready to expand outward when I'm gone is the music of Silver Reich, an unforgiving piece called A New Breed of Rat. Our first intermission will feature the crunchy psycho-gospel of Burning Moon, a song called Awesome, Mighty Sun. Part two of the conversation swirls ahead and we culminate in ancient memories by them natives at the height of their power. Talking will send us home, and on our way out we will rewash in the Silver Reich bath with the second half of a new breed of rat. Hang on tight, my babies. Mother is coming. Welcome back.
Jesus is looking at me over your shoulder. And yeah. he says, you must be guilty of something. I mean, he, says, he normally says that anyway, but the like, poster actually says that. Over your shoulder, I also am feeling guilty, so I think it's a good balance. Yeah. There's a you know, Native American woman on a broken tambourine, so I feel guilty as well. And something specific. Yeah, something very specific. I know what it is. Mm-hmm. Someone uh, home? Someone's home. Welcome. Come inside. Come on in. Uh, Amber's here, my wife. You can uh, hear her performance on Minisode F, I think. It, 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 uh, it's the Firehouse it's Firehouse episode a couple of months ago. It's a short Minisode with with uh, Daniel Ferris as well. Performances from the Firehouse. Check her out. It was, it was lovely. It was haunting. It made me feel things. Uh-huh. This is a musical household. Yeah. That, that looks equal parts European... Uh, midwestern you know rockies region and uh and southwest mm, just junk everywhere junk <laughs> you know just start piling it up and eventually it, it's, it'll mean something you'll imbue it with enough power to to uh recall some things you know cheers amber cheers cheers thanks guys so milton yeah where did we come in we, uh, we, we just heard Silver Reich. What, what was the name of that Yeah, track? Silver Reich. That was a uh, new breed of rat <laughs> was the name of that song. Haunting? Yeah. It was a, it's a cover of Ice, which was the guy from Godflesh. Okay. Um, one of the two guys, one of the guys from Godflesh. I, mean, I can't remember his name, but Ice, and, there, and that was their song. But we, uh, we made it kind of our, we slowed it way down and made it our way a little bit. Well, that's what we that's what we just heard, um, and Silver Reich is. Um, tell me, let's let's start there. Um, Silver Reich is most is me and Roger with, and uh, that on that track it was Shay Stevenson. So it's me and uh, Roger Stella and Shay Stevenson, and um, Jason Pratt also plays or plays drums with us. E- Emmanuel um, was playing drums with us for a while too. Emmanuel Alinas. How does that fit into your uh, complex discography, sir? Because you do a lot of it's, a lot of varied things at once. This started with the concept of like doing a solid groove on a bass line that Roger just wanted to play, and he had three songs that he just wanted to play, and he just wanted a wall of like guitar noise on it. And so that's how the song, that's how that band kind of started, and we just went. All with that, and it got, it's really instrumental, Um, you know, so we just really started, the more we played together, those riffs became like very big, kind of like epic things where a lot of stuff happened, and it was kind of a drug worship band, we would like take uh, psychedelic drugs and... Allegedly. Yeah, right, Um, or simulate taking psychedelic drugs. As um, performance art. As performance art, and... Pretending, pretending mm-hmm. that we were uh, free and we could do whatever we wanted. And it was great. <laughs> they're great thought experiments. And we actually came up with some really awesome recordings that way. Mm-hmm. And so we started ritualizing it like, well, that's what it is. It's a worship. It's worship music. Um, right. We, we went on a walk just a moment ago and, and you, we, we kind of came in on um, 
the the vocal element being very influenced by gospel music in in a lot of your work. Yeah, and yeah. you'll you'll hear as part of the opening, uh, you folks would have heard a little a few samples of uh, things between Burning Moon, um, them natives, and all the other incarnations that mm-hmm. you've small snippets of what of things that were done before in the progression of of your you know artistic path and as erratic as some of it was as some of the vocals are and some of the the performances of them you know might be there is that worship gospel almost druid gospel right kind of element there. right yeah Very absolutely absolutely and that's just like a whole part of it for me is like the the party of the music like to me, a party is like a very spiritual and celebratory thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a great thing when you can get people together with music. And music is a really, music and food are like two awesome things that can do that with people and get them all together and happy to be around each other. And um, once you can like just do that, you can also you know, talk about a lot of things that matter and like really discuss and stuff. Also, I don't know. It's just a really great way to open, open communication between people and make kind of feel like, feel each other and stuff like that. Right. Well, there's a, like, you know, a watering hole requires a dip in the earth, you know, like a a river or whatever it involves. It has to have a channel to pass through and it will, if, and when water in a river will make a a channel for itself, it Mm -hmm. finds that, way and then it broadens you know a small trickle can turn into a little rivulet which turns into a larger and larger stream and eventually water carves out the grand canyon etc yeah so a watering hole when animals collect around each other for that purpose of like survival Mm -hmm. you know food plays a different role in survival than entertainment does but we need both of them and Mm -hmm. there has to be a dip you know in theater there's the amphitheater you have to carve out so Sound can develop properly. You know, the food has to have a table, which is more of a mountain than a valley, but right. a fire pit right. has to exist there or, or, you know, you bend down to the oven or the range. And that's, and that's, that's exactly right. And that's another part that I was, that, you know, um, always hosting these venues and being, living at a venue or mm-hmm. putting all myself into that because it was... Uh, it was worth the risk right to start to bring people together on this and I knew everything like people people are pretty special and they have a lot of awesome uh, energy and lessons to add to everybody else's experience experience and when you can get people together celebrating in these kind of methods and mm-hmm. yeah we have to this doesn't all have to be like happy or like great messages of songs it's whatever speaks for people like there's a lot of different ideologies and we can come across that right we don't have to be like liking the same things as other as everybody else that thinks the way we do or whatever you know there's not a lot of uh there's not as many contracts and restrictions as you think there are on like what you believe or what you want to be influenced by right yeah then there's no there's really no controlling what goes into a gravity well, you know, I mean, I don't yeah, think it's a, yeah. it's a huge, uh, it's high strain. It's highly strange, but you know, 
it's perfect that you live below the street that you're living on right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. you live in a dip. Yeah. And yeah. And I had to come down into your spot to, right. Right. Um, to do that after we had orbited it on our walk. Um, but yeah, there's no, a lot of things, diff- a lot of things happen when cosmic dust starts to collect, you right. know, and, and gravity starts to form and things start to yeah. pull on each other and crash into each other in canyons. Yeah. You know, there are, uh, wells. That's a good one. Yeah. There are a lot of wells to yeah. be used in this part of the world. And it's one of the things that's always kept me here is there's, I'm always surprised by historically, but I'm also always surprised by the people that I meet here that are from here that are strange and there's really no explanation for them. Right irrevocably touched by gravity even if they're not yeah still in that place right yeah birmingham's a weird i think la is too uh, every city i think has its unique right at, at signature you know with la you just have to filter it a good bit deal more i'm sure you yeah. know well the tar pits of it's interesting la has tar pits and we have or you know dead or wells yeah yeah it, it's it's weird um, Big bulls, empty blackness. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a compelling characteristic, but I think it that and it's inspiring. Yeah, for sure. I think um, there's a lot of like old kind of dark magic here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's kind of part of the soil, the red the red mountain, right. if you will. Right. You know, I don't have to really go too far in explaining that symbolism. I mean, it's the you know, and coal being and coal being the you know, devil's metal and all that, you know, the devil's eyes are made of coal or whatever. And a lot of, uh, St. John's work, mm-hmm. the lost poet. <laughs> we, we came up, just kidding. Did uh, you grow up here? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Over the mountain. Yeah. Different than ending up here. Right. Um, yeah, Definitely. I've been I've been obsessed lately with with it the the Stephen King right book um, yeah and it's like eleven hundred pages of really in depth character character building and like he writes the whole town's history to illustrate the book and cool. it's really interesting yeah but, um another we talked about that a little earlier but another theme of that is is how it how what lies underneath the town affects the people that live there and the town in it is very exaggerated. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the nightmarish exaggeration of that theme, right. you know, going home again then means all the memories of everything that you went through then that have been magically wiped away by this monster like, from rushing back. But right. that's what happens when you, it's when like you come some, home. It's like some sort of like haunted um, property, right? Like Amber, what was that uh, hill? What was it called? Cressburg Hill in West Virginia, where all the aliens were uh, and the Bigfoot and stuff was going on. Crest Ridge, a particular part of Appalachian Mountains, where there's a lot of... In West Virginia. Oh, no, that to occur there. Yeah. And all these, like, so all these, like, aliens and stuff are, you know, dropping off stuff for Bigfoot, and they're, like, in this weird, yeah. weird location of just, you know, whatever we can believe. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of correlation between Bigfoot and aliens. Yeah. Or greys, you know. Yeah. Uh... We, we we should. I've got references for you off air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to. We need to. 
definitely get to the bottom of that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Burning Moon is the latest incarnation of of this weird path that you're on, right? Yeah. Can you take me backwards chronologically before From, it was them natives? It was them natives, and we um, we got to a pretty high uh, high functioning. Uh, part of our career at that point and we were really cranking out songs and nailing them getting them really tight and working them all out and got some really good recordings and played a lot of really great shows and toured a little bit but um it it got kind of muddled in the uh, execution and we were never able to like really put it out the way we wanted to put it out there was a lot of mixing uh, ordeals and stuff and, and arguments and disagreements between a lot of people and um, me included I'm sure I had some to do with it but we were strained for money trying to put it out and make it work and we just never agreed and it came out as a CD and I think we were all kind of a little bummed and it was hard to kind of hold it together after that and right. Jasper was already interested in Jasper Lee was already interested in doing these other kind of work and as far as like soundtracks and stuff like that, and he was getting a lot more of that work being offered to him. So what I did was just kind of started just desperately trying to rock and roll as hard as I could by myself or whoever. And then Jason kind of miraculously moved back um, to Birmingham because he was, and so he's the drummer and we could get it going from there. So that was, that was the last them native stuff. And up until that point, we'd spent several years with a couple of different drummers going on tour and recording and had a great bunch of songs and had a lot of fun. And Amber, that was Amber Locke and Leah Hamby and Turner Williams and Carter Glasscock and um, me and Jasper. I have visions sometimes of, of constructing massive spider webby conspiracy theorist webs and trying to fit everyone together yeah. across, you know, yeah. uh, historically. See, and I've tried to do that with like sorcerer lineage and like old brew, uh, like old uh, brujo ancestors mm-hmm. and like tracing them back and trying to like replace their name with like friends of mine and people I know and stuff. Weird. Like, how can I recreate this? Like, just huh. map for myself to, you know. That's fascinating. Play out. Yeah, it's fun to do that. Um, them natives came about a lot of that kind of ritualistic kind of stuff we had to kind of figure out together. We played together for so long that we went through a lot of these different things. Mm-hmm. Was that because you just went inventing or you, you, were all- you had that? You had. It- because I know you're kind of minded that way. We we talked about that a bit. That, that's kind of our common ground is that we're we're of the same mind about the process of art and like the 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 very real spiritual symbolism behind it. You yeah. Know? Was everybody else kind of on that level, or did it? No. See, me did you and everyone. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Is like me and Jasper and Turner all were very different. Mm-hmm. Um, Jasper being quiet and able to really put things together in a, in something that made sense. Whereas me and Turner were kind of out there and Turner was 
very um, influenced. You know what I mean? Like everything that he heard was he could do. You know? Yeah, like a sponge. Yeah. Was he the the like the chaotic element? Like the the, yeah. like the most wild card element? Right. Right. He had the ideas. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was more of the kind of like uh, chipping away, like that's a bad idea, Turner. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would have to cover him up with like loud noise and stuff. Counterbalance, right? Yeah. And then what? But I got into it because of like the theatrical element, mm-hmm. like because um, that's what I wanted to do. Was like I was writing a lot of like skits and like doing a lot of that kind of stuff. That's what I wanted to do. Like movies, like all these movies right here and stuff. That's what I wanted to do. Just like a whole bunch of, you know, uh, performance art kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had played with being, I've been playing with Jasper and Turner. That was like another side thing to do. But, but as we, uh, as we kept going, we just had to like incorporate those kind of parts to it. And it started to become like, weirder music and they resisted it for a little while and they we were first called holy spirit mm-hmm. was our band name and turner's mom didn't like that band name because it was you know invoking the wrong thing or whatever and so they changed the name to twilight natives and i quit the band <laughs> i was just like no dude that's not cool i'm not in this band <laughs> you know and then I did, you know, I did the important eagle stuff, and I came up with this big mythology to like this kind of experience I had because I was really experimental at the time with a lot of different stuff. And that's your solo project, yeah, at that time. And I was just like, I'm just going to do it like this. And I had these big macrame things I would be draped in with lights, and I would just be playing guitars on the floor and stuff, and gongs or whatever. And it was just like, um, you know, this is like 2005. And we play at the hotel. And these are some of the shows that Brian Martin would get us and like just let us play. And that was like, I, that was Jackie O motherfucker. That was the was night that, I played my first important Eagle show. Was that the, the, the act name that he played under? Jackie O motherfucker. No, Jackie O <laughs> motherfucker was a band from California that are like a free jazz improv band. Huh. Yeah, you got to check them out. Write that down because, yeah. like, they were great. They were really, in, they really a big influence on on some of the them native stuff from early on. It's just, it was really free jazzy, but real spacey, and you know, using effects, you know, as free jazz instead of like raw instruments, right? On that kind of thing, right? So, what are your thoughts on on improvisation and free jazz? Because I think that's that's a good direction we can go in. That's how I like write all the songs. And like mm-hmm. it also coincides with the same concept I had about the play, about plays. I mean, a playwright. I'm trying to kind of eliminate that from even being there, because I think the eliminating play, what the play like I think there is the play is born when it's performed. Mm-hmm. So you have to perform it and then write it, and that's the way I approach songwriting. Mm-hmm. It's like we have to get these elements combined together kind of get together on something and go in there and play. And then I'll go back and meticulously write out what I'm trying to talk, what I'm trying to say. Right. You know, and huh. we'll recreate it after that. And that's how, that's how I've written all my songs from the beginning. And that's how we always did. It was just like coming up together and stuff. And like, 
So I'm not into the whole ETH, like, coder of improv. Um, that's why I'm always been a little more lean towards the terminology of, like, free. Right. Like, because there's no code there. Like, yeah, it sounds like something else, but we don't know what we're doing. That was accidental. So, yeah. Yeah. We can still call it what it is because it's still true and honest. We don't know what we're doing. Like, if you're saying this is, it can't be improv because you already know what you're doing, where it's like, yeah, I don't understand what, how you can say something is something else. And I think that's why I'm not into a lot of the hardcore music terminology either, because there's all these codes to it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's the first reason that I play music. You know, that's one of the good things about music is you don't have to have all these codes to it. It right. can be universal, like to everybody and they can all call it something else. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, it makes me, as you explain that, it made me draw parallels to actually learning how to play music at all. Yeah. Like if you're learning an instrument, then you're going to start out not knowing what you're doing and your aperture is so narrow that right. you can hardly make noise with the instrument mm-hmm. and you have to develop the skill necessary to, to pull that aperture open. And then eventually if you're super, super talented, you can, and, 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 you know, you have the great, like the great greats, the, the most, skilled at their instrument and most skilled at putting across something with it. Yeah. And then their aperture is totally open, but they have full control over mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, and, and the, the pinnacle of it is, is having full control over how much light you let out of the, you know, right. how bright the laser beam is or whatever, how much light you let into the camera to take the right kind of picture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then, and and the the great flexibility, the the great power you can That's, create is is your control to either have it completely open or narrow it back down to something very specific. Well, and that's the coolest part that I've really started to enjoy is that flexibility, that ability to say like, "Hey, this isn't really perfect." Mm-hmm. You know, this sounds awesome, and I can totally enjoy it and appreciate it for what it is. Right. But there are some things like kind of missing in my purview of it. You know, there's something that, that I can hear that isn't there. Right. It's, it's a different skill to be able to create something once that is very compelling then Mm -hmm. maybe not necessarily again, but like, um, when you really skilled improvisers can have that aperture all the way open Mm -hmm. and, have the same kind of focus with it that you would have with a very small one. Mm-hmm. But as you go about writing a song, if, if you follow like your process and you, you let as much in as you want as, or as you can, and then narrow it back down and form it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, you, you have the ability to, well, like we were, we were talking about planets forming. It's like, you know. it's like a track. It's like a map and a model that you can start to build things off of at that point. Right. Because you're seeing how this flow of communication works between you and other people. Yes. And you can orchestrate this like, um, you know, moment, this magic mystery moment, you know, together and record it. And it's a map for what you are instinctually going to do with this, this force that you are bestowed, that's bestowed upon you, this like tool that you have, this gift you've been given to speak, you know, and use it. Mm -hmm. 
And then you can start, once you write it out the first time, then you can really start to see what the point of it is, what you're trying to say and things you repeat and different like ways you use the words. And you're kind of like, okay, well, this is kind of the plot here that we're, that's being channeled through us. Right. It's not just our story. It's a, it's bigger than all that. And I just think that's where this, the song, that's why I think like, you know, rock and roll is the future way of doing that. I think that's just kind of like, a universal language in some way. I don't know how, but it's just, yeah, there's a combination there of like frequency that yeah. is, that is universal in some way. I don't know why I believe that, but I just kind of, I hear aliens and rock and roll music all the time. <laughs> well, I think some of the people that did it were aliens. So exactly. I don't know. Exactly. But you know, it couldn't I, be, it can't be a coincidence. Right. I think I'm wrangling the awkward extended metaphor I'm trying to make. Like we're all emitting the light that we're emitting. Like we're all putting, you can't go through and in a really practical way, like you can't go through life without emitting energy. Like you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, if I walk through a room, I change the room. Right. You know, and the, the, and I don't mean energy in like some kind of uh, uh, obscure oblique concept. I mean like actual, like, like energy and you're talking about like the ball of light that's following you around. It's like an arm links right behind your left shoulder. No, you're not talking about that. No, (laughs) no, I'm trying to, trying to be as practical and and non woo as I can be when I try to explain these kind of things. But like the, when I, when I move through a room, I'm going to affect the energetic signature of that room. Like I change how all the matter lies in that room, you know, like in a very physical scientific way. And you can't help but affect your environment when you move around. Yeah. So we're all emitting energy and we're all constantly changing. Like I bet your listeners will be able to hear me moving around. Right. Even though I try to do it pretty, pretty quietly. So, so when you, when you're, when you change, yeah. So they can hear the evidence of you moving around the microphone and yeah. it, it changes. I'm displacing, you know, frequencies. Right. So when you, as you change distance, you're changing how they interpret the signal coming through the microphone, which involves, physical energy being changed by a physical element moving in the microphone to an electrical signal that can be processed through the computer and eventually gets uploaded to the internet and you can hear and hearing the space, right? Well, our brains do this are like a ear, our ears do the same thing. Like they physically little parts inside your eardrum move, which change physical energy collected by your ear in the air to electrical energy that your brain then processes as sound. Part two. Hold on. Pause. That's fine. No, oh, because I gotta use the bathroom. Yes. Pause. Because part two is like we create, we gotta, we create our own content. Yeah. You know, that's the extension of that of what you're talking about. It's like, right? How far does the input actually stop becoming what you have created? Yeah. Like how far? Where does the beginning happen of something that you're observing? Mm-hmm. Is um, it? Yeah. It start there. You know. I'm gonna explain my thought. Go, go pee. I'm gonna see if I can make sense out of what I'm trying to say. We have irrevocable effect on our environments around us in a very physical way. And when we choose to, to coalesce all of that movement together in some kind of thing that can be passed from person to person, like a musical recording, then we, we have an unknown effect on the world outside of us. And we do that through physical movement of energy that can be captured in some kind of tableau 
way that can be experienced again and again. And that sends ripples out through the information structure of the world that we live in. If we have a focused capability to do that, then we get to put out a greater amount of energy through a more focused aperture. We all have energy coming through us because we can guide in some ways consciously, in some ways out of our control, we act as a channel for it. But as we move through life, we're emitting this thing and you can, you can work on the bulb, you know, you can upgrade your, your bulb and you can find a better power supply and you can really create a bright light. But if your aperture is really shut, it doesn't do a whole lot. And similarly, if you have a really, if you're super open and you don't have a lot of focused energy behind that, you know, it, it's a, it's a very big flashlight that doesn't do a whole lot. But when you have a highly developed flashlight, you know, a highly, highly developed laser beam with a lot of power that you can focus very precisely, then you can have a very precise effect on the world around you that's guided as much by you as, as by your environment and whatever else influences you. And in the way that we, I think, see art and see that ritualistic way of approaching this weird energetic, like alchemy that we do by creating art and participating and, and hosting things and, and kind of tending the lighthouse, so to speak. Channeling. Yeah, it is channeling. And, yeah. and I think, I don't know. I think there's, I think there's something really powerful there when you know that there is, you know, that's a lot of responsibility to deal with. And it kind of yeah. actually for a little while has wrecked me on several occasions going too far with it. Uh, neglecting uh, taking care of myself and the people that are close to me and to do that for a long period of time and um, that does weigh down on you and it does hurt you but it also kind of makes you better at it yes because you can't give up it's also compulsive <laughs> as I said before there's no construct there's no like contracts but there are like instincts that are hardwired into your DNA. Yeah, the ground is going to lay in a certain yeah. way no matter what. And you have to work around those all the time, you know, and you only get better at it. And uh, don't don't try too hard not to fail. You know? Yeah. We, were, we, were, we landed on the theme of fail upwards several times yeah. before we got yeah. on air. Fail upwards is like something I've really been loving to. I've been accepting it. That's a great phrase. That's a great way to put it. Um, there is no wrong. And roles help us make a lot of sense of the chaos. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're playing the wrong role, then you're going to know it. And if you're playing exactly. the right one, you're going to know it. You've put yourself in this situation to become in this position.
together and jam. Yeah, I never want to. I never want to do anything for money that makes me feel bad. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to make this because we were just we were just talking about um, kind of the the difference and distinction between business and like passion. Yeah, especially in this thing that we're doing, and I'm never going to do something that I don't care about for money. I'm never going to do something that I don't believe in just to get paid. But if I'm doing yeah. something that has meaning for me, then if I can get paid for it, then that helps me continue to focus on that. Absolutely, but there's that, an important distinction. You're not, we're not, you're not going after like not noticing the value in what you do. If yeah, and like if, I value the work I put into this stuff. Absolutely, that's the priority. Yeah, always. and if it if I see that starting to slip, then I've got to do something to change it. But yeah, but but other people's did. De- what they determine is the value of my stuff doesn't necessarily accurately represent what I value my own stuff as. Yeah. You got to be realistic about the actual consequences of that, but yeah, exactly. Um, you can't, can't let it rule that rule you. Yeah. Exactly. You've, I, and I've had to make those exceptions before and just determined for me, it was more about having my friends over and having a good time. And that's where music kind of felt fell into my life is where it's, where it really belongs right now. Mm-hmm. As just like uh, a really great release that me and my friends really like to do with each do with each other, and we get we're pretty good at it. We've done it for a long time. Seventeen years, you said. Yep, seventeen years uh, for me and Jason playing guitar and drums together, and now Rolf and Amber are, have joined the family. It's uh, it's some psychedelic stuff you know it's a family that's for sure it's definitely about about that about family values you know it's a satanic family but you know the luciferian side not 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 as much concerned with any kind of malachian aesthetic uh, we're not industrial we're not electronic or dancey or anything like that um, we're just kind of you know beach beach goth um, river rock beach goth yeah, any kind of like, any kind of like, uh, you know, groom, groovy, doom stuff, you know, maybe a little bit of like, there's a lot of kind of country influence to a lot of the songs I come up with. And a lot of them have been kind of hybrids of a couple of my friends who have died and wrote songs and stuff. And I'm just trying to make them into songs. Those have changed a lot. So that's changed a lot of the way I used to do it where. I would just improv the song and write it afterwards. Um, I still do that about half of the practice, but the other half of the practice, I try and do these songs that I've I've uh, written or collaborated on, with, try them out in different arrangements with different musicians over the years. And uh, some of them have stuck around and started to become really awesome things. And some of them have just kind of, some of them will fizzle out and I won't go revisit them and then I'll combine them with another one. You know, I'll bring it up and I'll be like, oh, here's one I improv that I'm starting to write and it needs this part and I'll just kind of throw them together. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really giving me about 40, 48 songs of good stuff that I can use in different ways. And I, I really always wanted to, that was another kind of thing. My dad, my dad's always been talking to me about selling songs to people. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of thinking about it as being like, why don't I just give them to them? Well, there, there is that. And, and you, you certainly can do that. Um, if they're, if they're willing to pay for it, then why wouldn't you accept it? 
That's a that's a good question, I think, right? You know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. maybe you don't offer So I should argue that point is to say why wouldn't I accept somebody just giving me money for something I already did? Right, cuz that I feel like that's a different exchange than you demanding like you cuz then you if you're denying access to But it doesn't matter at all where the money comes from. I don't mean that. I'm just saying like the the act the situation that's created when you say you could have my song, but you can't have it unless you pay me for it is very different than someone saying, well, thanks for the song. You know, let me give you some money for it. You know? Yeah. It's like the technicality between like, um, what they do in New York now with weed. Yeah. 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 Cause or in Washington DC rather like, I can see that buy a poem from me for $20. But you see there's so many holes. And then when you start talking about selling things that you write, there's so many holes in there. Yeah. There's so many like weird things you have to go through with to do it. Yeah. And like you have to decide, make all those decisions as to say like, oh, this guy can't play my song. Like, I, I don't think yeah. I could say that to anybody. I, you know, I don't care who it was. Yeah. If if it was somebody who wanted to play one of my songs for whatever reason, for however long, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think even still. And they made they... money off of it and it's going to make me mad. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to make me mad. Yeah, but what about without without any economy in it wouldn't it be like a, a a proper thing to do for them to ask you to for permission to to take the personal thing that you put time into and reflect it well i guess what i'm depending on which is probably the wrong thing to do is uh yeah is people is credit is research and credit give the person that wrote the songs due mm-hmm. you know but at the same time, what is all that, you know, Yeah, really matter to me personally in the long run? Not very much. Having my name on something. Yeah. It's just as much as me just claiming it randomly at when I'm drunk and, you know, somebody's arresting me or something. I'm like, I wrote those albums. Right. Well, that's, like, oh, that's, yeah, I'm sure you did, buddy. <laughs> that's one dark. I mean, that's kind of a one dark take on that, like, situation. But yeah, if... One dark take. I mean, I, I, you could look at it an opposite way, which is if if someone comes to you, if someone asks permission to use your song, yeah, then they come to you and say, they're saying essentially like, you've passed something on to me which has value to me, and I yeah. can, I can translate that sure. value differently sure. as a gift. Yeah, that's exactly the thing. Yeah, right. But but they're they're making a, a weird kind of offering to you as a predecessor as like an, either an ancestor or a guide in, in whatever way, if they ask you to do that. So it's not that you get respect and you can use that respect to say, I was the guy that did that, but, and, and without extending too much into like, cause money, the, the money and the rights and the publishing and all that kind of stacks on top of that, tries right. to, to, tries to structuralize that. So everybody like almost compulsively, like we got to make sure everybody gets their due. We got to get our due. Cause I need to get my due and fuck you. If you get my due and you got to get yours and fuck you. If you yeah. get mine, it's, it gets weird. But if you like that person comes and involves themselves with your universe that made that song. Yeah. Instead of saying, Oh, that's just a thing that like that song just appeared one day. Um, and it, it's not as complicated as you think. It's just a song you know, it doesn't mean that much, but I can make it mean something. So I'm just going to use it. It's mm-hmm. different than them intertwining themselves with you 
almost like okay. a spiritual contract. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, which you, that's a that's a good thing that we keep talking about too. You physically pass the torch on yeah. kind of. Right. Right. It's like what are we agreeing to? Right. Like, you know, and history is just a set of lies that we agree upon, you know. And so yeah. all our models are based on like just lies we believe in if we want to see it that way. So lying is fun and it's part of creation and it's one of Lucifer's magic tools. So let's embrace it and right. have fun with it. Yeah. Lie for fun. Don't try and win with it. Don't try and make money and be the one who wins. Yeah. Lie to tell the truth. Lie creatively. You know? Lie to tell the truth. Yeah. You got to yeah. expose it that way. Interesting. It's fun, man. And that's really, that's really, um, it's really a fun thing to do with people experiment with like all these like little thought prisons we put on ourselves and uh how it looks from the outside well the when the tadpole turns into the frog it doesn't it's not it's not like it's a tadpole and then it's not a tadpole anymore and then it's a frog no it's still a tadpole but now it's a frog also (laughs) yeah you can't burn the thing down and then reinvent it right you know right that's always existing this dna is like that's your contract. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. the one that you have to like really fight all the time. And that's, that's a fun part of the experiment. Really. You can get pretty good at it and, uh, your DNA won't know what to think mm-hmm. <laughs> because sooner or later we'll be in space. And we'll live to 250 years at a time. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what we, I mean, revisiting. Yeah. What, what I don't know, I don't know is scary. You know, like the things that I don't even know that I don't know. Yeah. You know, there are the things you know and the things you don't know and the things you don't know you know. And yeah. The things you don't know you don't know. Yeah. And. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm concerned. There's a lot of things to know about. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things to not know about. Yeah. I'm concerned that as we move forward in science, we're going to start disrupting unknown structures. Like, Yeah. So like an, un, well, I mean, for good or ill for like, for benefit or risk. And I think we're, I think we're, we're, I don't mean we are, I think it's, it's very possible that, well, for example, like when we started, when agriculture happened and like city development happened, we disrupted this massive global immunization network that is fungus. You know, we started chopping it out of the ground and covering it up and, yeah. and killing it. And we didn't know, even know that that was the role of fungus in our ecosystem. Really, we just thought it, they were disposers, hmm. but they're they're revitalizers, and they're the connected network that that both immunizes and protects, and somehow influ- spiritually influences. I think nature hmm. as something that's kind of different than than plants and animals. So, if there's like a third being anywhere in nature, it's fungus. Yeah. You know? Word. So exactly. Awesome, man. So I, I love think, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I recently when, when, learned a lot about it. If all of my like theories and hypotheses could just wind me back to fungus at the root of everything, then I would be happy. I think that makes the most sense. It's a lot more important than we think. Well, we are a uh, garbage, you know, garbage and waiting. Yeah. And like fungus is the perfect organism to deal with garbage. So what's a better brother to take us through the stratosphere together, creating and, and surviving on garbage together for millions of years? Well, I think, and this is not <laughs> my idea, but I think they, 
are architects of the system that we're living in. Absolutely. They evolve. They they create the system. Biological things that can actually translate into our DNA and actually transform our DNA structures at the, at the root level of our evolution for years. And the neurological level actually growing like neurogenic. Exactly. But there's this, that's the influence. That's a communication from another, another like, uh, you know, benevolent species, I think. Yeah. Cause they don't have physical structures to communicate. Their physical structure is the communication and their time is way different than ours. Right. So them giving us this takes 2000 years for it to actually work fully on us. But for them, that's just like a nothing. Right. Um, <laughs> I, br- I brought fun. Oh, we're having unknown effects on the underlying structures that we don't, we're not particularly aware right. of. We are, we are, we're not, uh, we're not, we don't have those kind of advisors as much anymore. We don't put a lot of stock into those people that are our advisors with the ethereal world, you know? Mm-hmm. You need to step away for a second? I was just going to go use the bathroom again. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about uh, about mind and memory palaces and the creation of invisible structures that aren't not on the Terra. They don't exist here but you can interact with them in a way that's consistent. So uh, I use, I, I built, I built a room in my mind that I go to. That's like an idyllic place. And um, the room has very specific characteristics. And I like went in and architecturally figured out what kind of space would be pleasing and added symbolism to it and made a space that I can return to in my mind. And when I open the door to go in there, it looks the same. And if I make a change and if I move a chair around, it's going to stay there and I can return to it. And you can, you know, obviously make the argument that my that my memory and my the practice of doing that is just like learning how to sing a song. Like you just you've accomplished the, the thinking steps to conceptualize that again. And that's OK. That's true. That's a lot for me to to keep track of. Uh Every time, you know, every time I go back to it, it's not like I have to sit and reconstruct it. It's just there. And we do a similar thing. We, I mean, our species have done, has done a similar thing for, for eons because uh, the, the concept of a memory palace, and you see this in memory championships, um, people that can memorize lists of, you know, uh, some, you know, uh, a competition between uh, or to decide who can memorize uh, every country on the planet by order of population, you know, who can get the closest to do that when those things exist, like there are competitions like that, like spelling bees almost. And there are techniques that these people use that involve navigating a conceptual space and tagging that space with references to what they're remembering. So if you're walking down a path, then the first step represents Albania and the second step represents Uzbekistan and the second and the third step represents Sweden and etc. whatever. So when they go, th- when they go through that process of remembering that information, they physically visit that space in their mind. Uh, you know, the, so you don't have to remember these random bits of information. You encode it in the world around you and in the space. And that's what places like Stonehenge were for, you know, it, it's a, it's a, and there are, there are objects that are used in this practice in places in Africa and, and Aboriginal Australia, where you have all these arrangements of, of beads and shells and each one of them as a different, 
you know, touchstone for all this information. So instead of trying to remember facts, which we don't do well, we remember navigating places. And that's like the dream trails in Australia where you can, you have a song that represents the path to take this place. And as you sing it, you're mm. physically moving through space. Yeah. Right? Cool. Very cool. So, so that like, I had a point that I was building to, um, the map. Yeah. I'm very, the song is like the map, you know, I'm very interested in what that place is. Like, where do you go without getting, without presupposing, I know anything about anything. What mm-hmm. dimension is that, that you go to that's, mediated by your mind or constructed in your mind or whatever mm-hmm. where you can use that representative navigational system that yeah like when you build that map where is the map that you built i think there's a lot of answers there yeah. there's a lot of interpretations throughout history of that plane mm-hmm. and of that level of awareness and i think um robert anton wilson's a good person to point you in the right direction he will that's circuit four. I can tell you right now, he's, you're talking about circuit four of our being, you know, which is divided up into all these different functional levels of evolution. Each one of them is part of our genetic evolution and circuit four and six, four, five, six, and seven are more recent. Mm-hmm. You know, four is probably 5,000 years ago. Um, circuit three and circuit two and circuit one or even earlier than that and those are all part of our, our evolution of our brain and our, and our multi-layered operating yeah, systems our, our yeah. exactly yeah. our neurotransmitting device that we can meta program through eons to keep achieving higher levels of consciousness and awareness yeah developing what level of analysis how many levels of analyses can we accomplish at the same time right you know um, and cause it's the same, it's the same thing. If you, if you, and I'm holding an imaginary beach ball here, like you, as you expand out your levels of understanding the world. So when you're a baby, it's just you and your parents are gods and they're your world. And you have to expand that out. If you, I think people searching for meaning outside of themselves, like the universe has no meaning. I've thought about it as much as I can. And, um, I didn't come up with an answer. Like I just looked for the answer. You can't, that's, that's not, it's not how it works. Well, here's your problem linguistically with that statement right there is you found an answer. No. And that's the answer that there's no meaning. And that's like still an answer. So you still have to decide that you have to prove there's no meaning. Well, that's, that's what I mean. Like you can, you can go out, you can draw a great big orbit. You could explore the whole world and you can go as far as you can and you can walk as far as you can in both directions. You know, but if you don't coalesce any of the things that you see into anything and you don't form a a story out of it or a memory of that experience, then like if you can't tell anybody about walking all the way that way and all the way that way in a way that makes sense to them, you did nothing constructive really Mm -hmm. in this way that I'm, you know, metaphorically speaking. All right. So, so you can expand, like you can go learn a bunch of stuff and you can basically be like a really well-educated nihilist and just blow out your perception in every direction. And it's like, well, I didn't find an answer. Um, you didn't do any creating in that process necessarily. Right. In right. looking, you're not necessarily creating and you're not going to find meaning out there. Like, you know, I looked, I looked way out on square 
F18 and it's not over there, so I'm going to go down to Q12 and it's not there either. Like, So it's the prover. Well, you have you to know. create it between you and somebody else. There's two things there. There's the thinker and the prover. Those are the, those are the two people. And you have to prove to yourself that you're right. Right, and you can't do that without, without being able to somehow express that to someone else and get any kind of feedback. Right, like, right. You have to prove it. Like yeah. there is that, there's that, you know, um, kind of just logical counterpoint to any idea is like proving it. Mm-hmm. And so those two kind of counterpoints can build something that is constructed, that is constructed. Yeah. But you cannot, that, and that's the difference. It's like, there's no isolation there. That is two of the same thing. Right. Like, once you isolate it and say this is criticism, it's a different thing, then it becomes useless. Yeah. It has to be part of the creation. Like, because it's an important part of the creation. Mm -hmm. And those people are the writers. They're there to get just as much credit to the song as anybody else. The person that hated the fucking song when it first came out and the guy fixed it and made it different or something. You know what I mean? Or the guy that just, like, you know, the critic in yourself that you happen to be a lot of the time. Right. It's not such a bad guy if you don't isolate him. You have to kind of, like, give it a reason. Yeah. Well, be constructive with it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a reason to be mad, and there's a reason that things are wrong and screwed up. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to address that and and shake it up and say, like, this is wrong, dude. No more. Well, very few people are fully formed and fully operational, Mm -hmm. and we don't know what the ceiling of that means. Right. Exactly. let's find a way to do that. Right. You know, and I you can't can control it. you into that, but no, but, but you I can, can do, I you, can contribute to an environment that exactly that helps. We you have unfold. a spiritual medium here that we've created that can like have a positive influence on this subject matter. Let's like right. get to work. Let's like really kind of concentrate and, and help people out of this jam. Maybe. And we've just be a guiding light or something. You know? Yeah. And the gospel reason, music, right? The reason I bring up the mind palace and the, the memory palace thing is that, you know, without, Without a lineage, there is no passing that on. Like, you don't inherit that. Like, the informational systems. Like, if you're not shown... If you don't hear the song and, you, and you're not shown the path that the song takes you through, you don't understand it. Like, it has to be given to you by your village elders. Right, right. And, so. But, like, but that, in, that, necess, that, necess, uh, that, that creates the necessity of hierarchies of knowledge. You know, because you can't do it from the outside in. Like, you can't start it. Like, you just can't give all that information at once. Uh, We have to pass it back and forth, and you have to prioritize the information that you're handing off. You know, so... And that's, that's, to me, the difference between, you know, wide open aperture improvisation and very focused bright which is like yeah. very bright light yeah but you have to stare into the light and throbbing gristle did that too like and it goes back to like literally okay so wide open means like yeah you also got to think about no contracts mm-hmm. you can believe any of these like reality models you can interpret them anyway and like go ahead and incorporate them in something else you're doing there's no contract yeah and that no contract state requires a lot of responsibility exactly. and a lot of accountability exactly yeah because you have to be open to it all, just like it is. You it, it makes don't sense. change it. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, be it, there with it and see how it see where it takes you. Right, yeah. the act of doing see it, what makes, it makes you, you super like. makes you super vulnerable 
And it also makes other people super vulnerable to what you do because you can't, it's, it's your responsibility to own the consequences of what you do in taking the action. But once you take that wide open, big action in an open understanding mm-hmm. with other people who know that it's an open interaction like that, Chapel you, can't, you can't be responsible for, you know, their reaction to your effect. Like if, if you can, if you can have your effect in you and put it out as, as responsibly as you can, right, wide right, open, right. then you've done your part right. in that exchange. And that's why I'm also that I think about that when I think about songwriting. Yeah. Okay. I put it out there in my best way because it's my, you know what I mean? Whatever anybody else uses it for is not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's not. So let me, let me ask you this. Um, if, if we were going to grade, you know, if I'm a, if me as a, or if you as a songwriter are at one end of a football field and your listeners on the other, in the other end zone, you know, mm-hmm. you could say like, I'm going to meet them halfway and they have to come meet me with the music. But, but if you, if if someone being wide open and just putting it across in that way that we said yeah is kicking it down to the 10 yard line and yeah. making them catch it yeah is that do you think that's that's the way that it should be or you know like and and wherever they run with the ball they're going to do it or do you think you should make them run for the ball a little bit maybe kick it to the 40 and make them make them really try for it yeah i like i like uh challenging them a little bit mm-hmm. i think challenging and making them find it is a good, it's an important kind of race because that's the kind of stuff that I really valued myself was when I found it. Stuff you had to kind of seek. Yeah. And it wasn't, uh, and nobody really understood it for a while. And it was just my, me and a private thing for a while, you know? Yeah. And those kind of things, when, when you discover something, that's part of it. That's part of the creation. There's so much of us out there and there's so many people thinking and, doing stuff and so we just need to we just need to stop thinking about it as a commercial thing and more of just like a community thing a friend and family thing yeah because if you you can look for prosperity through it yeah just like movie like we don't have to spend all this money in hollywood and la yeah like we don't have to make these huge industries anymore the entertainment industry we don't have to funnel our money into that Mm -hmm. just like the military we don't need to bother with all that we can give everybody just enough to make awesome fucking movies uh, with their neighbors yeah. for no price to the public at all. And all it does is entertain us and we can all donate with Bitcoin through Venmo to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, we don't need all those uh, companies to get in the way of us giving each other money. Right. I mean, <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you for the most part, but the other part of me is like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't agree that that's the answer. But it's a long term. It will happen. It will inevitably happen. It's a work in progress that there's other things that have to happen before that's possible. Yeah. It's total hubris for someone to say like, (laughs) but it's not sustainable. Like, how do you know that's well? No, we didn't know any of this was just you wait, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) There will there the sustainable argument that the meaning of that word will change drastically. The next five ten years hasn't it all i mean it right it's changed drastically yeah. since the last how time does it yeah. what does it still mean yeah i keep forgetting yeah that's that's kind of what i meant with uh with we're affecting things beyond our kind right. is that yeah we don't know who like, we are what we're talking about anymore we don't know what we're talking about anymore well i, I was talking i was talking <laughs> with someone and I, was, I was talking with a family member about their Lost kid our minds. lately and and she was saying 
we, we kind of landed on the same place of like a kid doesn't know, like, this is the world, you know, like if, if like a three-year-old kid doesn't know what that means necessarily, yeah. like it's the world to them, but that, that world is not, what is the world? There's like not, they don't know the context no, of all that just stuff. Like, like day, mom, like big things, light. Right. Like, so how do we know ah. that? <laughs> how do we know ultimately that me and you wound up with the same concept of, of world of like this place that we're on like very very i mean and culture and culture and and knowledge like accumulative knowledge helps bump you along the right path so that you all kind of end up in consensus and that's why we have society but the the i'm sure like the vastness of of like the vast disparity in your idea of the world and my idea of like i have an answer to that though too um because i think it's pretty cool. That's another thing about Birmingham that I thought was pretty cool too. Is like, yeah, as far as that straightforward, like normalcy that a lot of people try attempt to achieve, um, with like, with, within the arts and stuff within the arts here and stuff that also causes, a recurring underground energy. Yeah, and it can to form... prop itself up and get going again. Yeah, and so that's kind of I used to get really fired up about you know the normal culture um, stepping on my toes, <laughs> you know, and that just exposed those kind of hubris moments of myself saying like, "Hey, this isn't what the music's about for me at all." You know, as being the biggest show, it's just being like the coolest, you know. Right. And um, it just made me keep realizing that where I'm never going to be the biggest. It's never going to be the biggest. But that can, I can always be the coolest. So I can, yeah, I that's can not your role to be yeah, the biggest. Exactly. I can just keep doing it cool and it's fine. Yeah. Nobody makes any money. Right. And everybody just loves being there. Channeling, dude. Like a channeling house. You know, and that's really what's kind of been missing from the scene here recently. A zone. A channeling house. Yeah. You know, temple. Thank you.
of us all communicating to each other and stuff and we were all living in south side at the ac temple and we had a koto and a bunch of guitars and a couple excellent violinists living with us and um tablas and some other hand drums handmade hand drums and a lot of hand percussion stuff we were just we just got really uh transcendental after when we got back from that tour there wasn't a lot of like um 2007 we all went on a tour and we did a lot of like highly high energy percussion stuff and so when we got back we just really kind of wanted to sit back on a lot of string um trancey material and just ended up doing that for a while until until we all kind of started going our separate ways and uh incorporated as much as possible but ended up me and jason and brian ended up doing more of the kind of um uh folky spoken word free jazz kind of stuff and uh jasper really got into the orchestrated soundtrack uh theme music kind of thing we didn't get back together until my buddy, until I went down to Tuscaloosa and did my thing down there with a lot of the country music songs and um, just a wild fervor of uh, just strange uh, barred train music. And um, I, came, I came back up here after Rick died and just was kind of wandering the streets aimlessly for a little while, just drunk and 
you know, wandering and uh, wandered up to my old house, AC Temple, and uh, Jason was still living there, and he was there that day, and uh, we got over our little beef that we had not talked to each other for a couple of years over, and immediately just decided, hey, let's uh, let's play some rock and roll music to kind of celebrate what it means to be friends, and like I let go of all these kind of things I had against him because I was just like, you know what? Friends are more important. Like just being friend is way more important than any of this other stuff I can battle with, you know? And, um, you know, so we started playing and, and it just so happened that Jasper and me had scheduled a practice that day and he called me and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm at our old house, the AC temple. And he comes over and we, he brings his tape recorder and we do our, uh, blues lawyer session which has really changed the direction of music for me at this point. And it, it's become a gospel that's holy and not just, there's a lot of like freedom in it. And there's a lot of like, Hey, let's try a bunch of things out. But there's also like, Hey, there's like these kind of holy moments that we really have to, you know, uh, treasure and respect and uh, achieve and that's kind of our discipline here. And, uh, you know, so that moment, us all connecting it there, and we recorded our an album. It's called Blues Lawyer, and I wrote all the lyrics afterwards. The whole song was just channeled through me, the whole album. And we recorded, it's really about 90 minutes worth of um, some just really strange rock and roll music that was totally improv. And, uh, as I said, after the recording, after I listened to all the recordings, I wrote all the lyrics out and that came with the album that we had. There's the art right there. It's really a story and it really kind of just mapped out the, the what and, uh, why that I, that, that those questions have been answered for me musically. I know it's going to be rock and roll and I know it's because I want to get people together and, celebrating the Holy Spirit together, you know, in whatever way they believe that occurs. But through me, it's music and it's freedom. And those two things are pretty easy if you just kind of leave all the other nonsense out of it. Um, if you let it work on you. Yeah, exactly. And other people teach you just as much as you teach them every time. So, like, you playing your audience member is just as important as, like, any kind of like drum beat you've been working on for months that that person's like um trajectory can like deflect or like ride along and really everybody can become a part of it together at once and i've seen it happen on all the time uh hosting these shows that's what made me do it that's what made me want to keep playing was just it didn't matter how many people were there and it didn't matter who the people were that were there there was just like everybody needed it mm -hmm. and it's not a commodity at that point right and that's what's kept it really that's what i've always tried to focus on with everything i've put out and everything i've tried to do every show that i've put on everything is try to make that point that there's not an attachment there's not a contract it's not a commodity you know, this is like for a free enjoyment lesson on how to, how, what you can do. Here's another possibility for you. 
you can dress like this, you can act like this, you can sound like this. That's another possibility. These people believe and do this, and they believe and they believe it really hard. You don't have to believe it as hard as them, but you can actually appreciate the fact that it is believable. Yeah. <laughs> this has been massively reaffirming. Um, I'm really glad this conversation happened because it's it mirrors and answers the conflicts that I've been going through in the last couple months, trying in the resorting and, and turning over the soil again and, and trying mm. to figure out how the meaning of this has changed for me and how to kind of tend that garden mm-hmm. and you gave me a hoe. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's not easy to come by. Like this has really been a struggle of mine for a long time. I've been, um, like felt slighted and like all kinds of things about people and stuff and, and had to realize several times over that why I'm doing this and have to remind myself this is like, wait, what, what is this compulsive drive that is making me like care so much about this Mm -hmm. type of expression throughout history? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Cause it doesn't just stop with what I do. I have to compulsively understand, you know, what Charles Ives did. The continuum that you're a part of. Yeah, exactly. And these kind of, these messages are just, um, important enough. Um, and that's really what it is. And, and you can hear that in music. It's like somebody who really believes what they're doing. It doesn't matter what it sounds like or what type of music they're playing. They really, really believe in what they're doing. This is like their bent. They have a totally developed perspective that doesn't leave any like thing unnoticed. Mm-hmm. It cuts know, through the ice. Full observation, like yeah. pure, true. And they can do it with words and sound at the same time. And those people are still out there. And there's good in like so many every type of music. It's just like unbelievable to me. It's unbelievable to me really what people choose to be good. Yeah. Because I'm just like, are you kidding me? There's so much like yeah. stuff that's so much better than what you're choosing right now. But it's a miracle how good it can be. Right. Yeah. Right. And... uh you know, that's intimidating to a lot of people, but at the same time, you got to think about it as like, this is a family business and you're making it to last. Mm-hmm. And it so start thinking business. of, start thinking about your 50 year, start thinking about 50 years from now. Cause it's record sales don't matter when the people die. Yeah. Cause the people who bought your records are dead. Uh huh. Wow. That's different. Yeah. You're going after 50 years from now. We're, I mean, I'm making music that space aliens will understand and enjoy. You know, these are kind of the thoughts that I have when I'm thinking about, like, putting limits on my, am I going to offend somebody here? Well, if I'm going to offend somebody here on this planet, what if I offend somebody on another planet? How, how, I can't go, I can't let myself go down that road and make exceptions. Right. Well, you got to represent the human race at some point. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the, that's the foil you have to really provide. And rock and roll really is a great vessel for that because it's so cheesy and easily, uh, absurd at the same time that you can just really adopt this foil of a person right. and be like, this guy just doesn't care. He is Jim Moore, like Jim Morrison. Yeah. Like foil, like fool for America. Yeah. You know, and just made us all see it 
on scene. It was yeah. cathartic for us to see just. He let it eat him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that was a very, it was a very deliberate choice on his part. Yeah. And the role that he knew he needed to play. But so obtuse and pathetic and we can do it so much better. Yeah. With like a truth. Yeah. And not the, faking. The, the like poem. our, like our foil yeah. and fool is, is, is for, it's like lying to tell the truth kind of thing. We've gotten so good at it. Yep. Yeah. And me and rock and roll is a great vessel. It's very easy. It's very infectious groove. Uh-huh. And it's also very given to like free form experimentation. Yeah. And, you know, freedom and energy and gospel and all that Holy Spirit love, you know? Well, let's, uh, let's talk about Outer Night then. Let's close on that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Outer Night is, um, a showcase that I want to start doing maybe once every other month that I'm working on doing here in the Birmingham area, showcasing mostly local talent, but at the same time willing to accept, you know, Southeast regional artists that come and play here and don't have a lot of places or a lot of uh you know big money opportunities uh trying to make it about a five dollar and five dollar a head night um changing venues each time this first one is december 16th at marty's and um it is going to be burning moon and the secret midnight band and featuring daniel hargett of welcome to monotonia and future primitives friends right. of the podcast right Daniel Hargett and Casey Hitt and Chris Zeger, I think is the drummer now. Uh, there might be another Daniel Rhodes, the mm-hmm. other bassist there in there, who's also doing some of the monotonia stuff. Yep. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do like two sets to, you know, 30, 40 minutes worth of music a piece and then uh, one collaborative set. And this is kind of the idea behind the outer nights that I want to keep going is, is pairing bands together that have a good infectious kind of groove, you know, kind of funky and fun, but also they can be experimental and weird and loud. All those things. This is an underground outer nights is a kind of a, a dirty version of, you know, any kind of a nice night, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I, know, I, know I don't what know what you call them these days. I don't think they call them nice nights, but yeah. Well, <laughs> that would be a good name for him. You, uh, we, we, uh, we, we, we drew comparisons or you did earlier of this to the, the common format of free shows like improv mm-hmm. shows. Mm-hmm. And right. this is, right. this is essentially what Jess Marie was doing with the plus noise shows. And yeah. you've heard on the program they've been on before where you have plus noise opens as a group. And then you have three other bands or three other ensembles that are made up of, nine people and then those nine people at the end join in with Flusnoy to do a big set and she's done various mixes and different kinds of those things. Right. And this would be more of a rock and roll way of doing it. And you saw the potential of rock and of rock, rock and roll music to like be in that format. So you throw everyone together. Yeah. To me, the noise and experimental and free jazz and all that stuff has always had like, Oh, it can do whatever you can do whatever with it. It's amazing that you see so much commonality there. Like yeah. it is there, but it's like we had cannonballs for 500 years before we, somebody just figured out one day that you could put gunpowder inside of them so that they would blow up when they right. did stuff. And right. then you had bombs. Yeah. Like, and that was just somebody that made that decision. And it's an obvious step that nobody saw. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't exactly. obvious until that he took it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Seeing that commonality, seeing and using 
and wielding well that commonality is like a, one of those brilliant obvious steps Man. that you've just been a part of you know calm down buddy, and made boy. yourself yeah exactly that's that's like uh yeah that's really awesome to to hear that yeah man that's crazy i, I need a refresher on that because <laughs> I, I you just totally lost me at the same time that might be where we end we might just need to we'll have a part two coming up with uh with an art analysis so next you're going to hear live readings of uh of a selection that milton's made um but this conversation continues somewhere else. We'll we'll come back to this yeah. to these topics in the future yeah. for sure. I just yeah, I just need like a little bit of a kickback on um on that because that was that was a really well said um conclusion on that sentiment there, I think. Great. Thank you. Um and thank you, receptors, for being out there and being available. We all got a lot of food for thought here. 